Okay, here we go. The Panda Magazine. He's about to get crazy and wild. Stay for a while. Don't touch a radio dial. The Magazine. Kicking it back. Sports talk. Listen to that and stay tuned for some giggles and laughs. Go. <laughs> One and two the count to Freddie Lynn. Lynn, surprisingly, has really been struggling with men in scoring position. And he's got the base loaded. He out at first. Carew at second. Trio at third. Two out. And we will have that man smiling or not uh, on the podcast in just a moment here. Fred Lynn joins us on the Planet Mikey podcast. But first, let's just uh, remind you that we are brought to you by Pro Automotive. Uh, ProAutomotiveMA.com is, uh, is the website location. And the actual locations are Webster and Dudley, the greatest professional automotive repair service ever. And I say that un- unblushingly. They have certified technicians, great management, and they are really good people. ProAutomotiveMA.com if you need yourself. Oh, and by the way, I know you're, you're hearing me making the echo. Whatever ails your vehicle, Pro Automotive has the cure. <laughs> Says Dr. Mikey. Uh, welcome to the. Uh, we, we, had, we didn't have a show last week because I was you know, I was on a DL. I had a a, 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 a cold and I was out, and they didn't want to subject people to the sound of phlegm on their <laughs> on their stereo Dang. speakers. Oh, but we're happy to have Fred Lynn, who's one of the greats, one of the most beloved Red Sox players of all time, and a, a member of the Red Sox Hall of Fame since 2002. Freddie, how are you? I'm doing pretty well, thank you very much. Now, you, I, I follow, uh, it's at Fred Lynn 19 what is it on Twitter? I, uh, what's your Twitter handle? I forgot. Jesus. That's not my deal. <laughs> I have no idea what it is. Oh, that's good. That's good. Well, it, he, uh, believe me when I tell you, he's got pictures up there of his progress because Fred Lynn has two brand new knees. Fred, tell us what that's like. Um, it's be, it'll be uh, a month um, tomorrow when I get the operation, and I had uh, two partial uh, knee replacements, both on the medial side. Um, when you looked at the x-rays, they were identical. Great on the outside, terrible on the inside. Basically wore them out. Yeah, wear and so tear. So I decided, yeah, I just decided to do you know, both at the same time. My doctor agreed. It was a good uh, procedure. He's done a million of them. And I just wanted to go through this uh, this pain and all the rehab just one time. And so it's been a month out. Um, I'm, I'm walking around. I can drive the car. I can do a lot of different things. Can't play golf yet. <laughs> I'm still waiting to do that. But uh, things are advancing pretty quickly. I've lost a lot of the swelling. I have a lot of flexibility, and I'm doing the PT uh, at least once or twice a day for a month. So it, I'm working harder now than when I was playing ball. Well, good luck because the golf is the most important thing, you know, at our age. And I know you had a birthday this month, and you're now 71, although you look 40 still. <laughs> well, I mean, you really. Well, I have new knees, so you know, I can't <laughs> wait to try these puppies out when you know they're good to go. You know, I, I might be able to take BP. Well, why not? Listen, you know, weirder things have happened. You know, Bill Lee is still pitching, and he's like 76. And he's, he, Did you hear what happened to Bill Lee, by the way, with the Savannah Bananas? Did you hear that story? I did, yeah. I, I, in fact, I reached out to him, you know, make sure he was okay. But, 
you know, that guy, he's going to pitch until he can't. You know, I know. And who's to say when that is? Because he can still throw. He loves you, Fred. The thing is, he probably throws just as hard as he did when he was playing. Right, he still throws 67. <laughs> you know what? He, th- he he thinks the world of you, of course, because you saved his ass so many times with great catches in so many different ball games. But for, when I talked to him after the uh, incident with his heart, he said, they defibrillated me. He said, but they didn't have to. I was just about to get up. <laughs> he is so he needed the extra PR. He is a piece of work, that guy. Now, Fred Lynn broke, broke in in 1974. And to say Freddie broke in with a bang is to really uh, be the, the biggest understatement you can make. Not just the 15 games you had at the end of 74 where you hit 419, but the, the 1975 year has to go down in history, baseball history, as one of the all-time greatest rookie seasons. I mean, you were the only guy ever to win Rookie of the Year and MVP uh, in the same season. And so to start as an MVP, uh, where do you go from there? My, my God. Yeah, it set the bar pretty high. There's no question. But, you know, to be honest, um, I, I expected to do well. You know, I had done well at the collegiate level in just about every level that I'd ever participated in. And just because it was the next level playing with older guys, I figured I'd do okay. But um, obviously I didn't think I was going to win those awards. But the big hole for us, or for me personally, was we didn't win the World Series. I mean, we got there, right. and we got the Game 7. And for the first time in my life, uh, in a championship game, I'd lost. So um, I thought about, you know, I, I didn't really think about the awards. I thought about that loss uh, right. in the right. offseason. Well, that's because you're a winner. You know what, Fred? The thing is, I, I blame that entire 1975 World Series loss on one guy, and it, it's Vern Rule. He broke Jim Vern Rice's. Rule. Yeah. Up and in fastball to Jimmy, and he just couldn't quite get his hands out of the way, and it got him on the, the top of the hand. Took him out. His hand. Yeah, it took him out of the World Series. And by the way, it's not as though uh, the Red Sox couldn't have used his right-handed bat against all those Cincinnati Reds left-handers. I mean, that Vern Rule pitch screwed the Red Sox out of breaking the curse way back in 75. Do you agree? I agree, absolutely. I you know, I had this discussion, let's call it that, with Johnny Bench, and uh, he said, ah, you could have rice, and you still wouldn't win. I'm thinking, I said, listen, Johnny, we're going to beat you guys in six games. Every game we lost to you was by one run. Right. And you don't think Jimmy Rice, our number four hitter in the lineup, would have a, a, a fact, be a factor in the game? It would be like uh, the Reds not having you. Do you think right. you guys would win without you in the lineup? No. Well, there you are. And, and by the way, Rice, Rice, hit, Rice hit 309, he had 22 homers, drove in 100. Now, you, in your rookie year that year, in 75, 21 homers, you drove in 100 runs, uh, and you led the league in uh, doubles, runs scored. You were the MVP. You were the rookie of the year. You won the gold glove. I mean, it was just an unbelievable year. And they, of course, called you, everybody called you, the Gold Dust Twins. Both you guys had such great years. You know, one right-handed hitter, one left-handed hitter. Roughly the same age. I think you're one year older than uh, Jim Rice, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, just, you know, a few months, actually. You know, between, you know, you put uh, Dwight Evans in the mix, and he's just a few months older than me. So you've got three guys that are basically 22 years old uh, in 1975 or 23, um, and it looks like we're going to be there forever. And, and all three of us produced. So that just doesn't happen in baseball uh, very often. First of all, you're not going to have a team that's willing to have that many young guys in the lineup at the same time. Right. And then the fact that they're all on a pennant contending team in a town like Boston. At that age. That doesn't happen. <laughs> so, 
It was so unique. That season was so unique. So many young guys on that team. Rick Burleson was 23. Um, yeah, Rooster, so, yeah. And you've got four guys right there that are 23 years old starting for a pennant contending team um, in, a, in a town where they expect you to win. So it, that it's just unheard of. Yeah. And the fact that we all did well. And the nice thing about it for all of us is that the press really didn't uh, – Look at one guy. So, well, this rookie is doing this. It was all of us. Yeah, you shared you know, so it. Yeah, we felt comfortable. Now, how is Rooster doing? He, Rooster, I loved Rooster because he was a red ass shortstop and he played so hard. And he, <laughs> I'll tell you, did he have a gun at shortstop or what, Fred? Yeah, he had probably you know pound for pound. He definitely had the best arm in the American League. And I, I'll tell you a couple quick stories about Rooster. <laughs> Firstly. Um, I went to a high school just outside of L.A., and so did he. We played against each other in football. He was a senior and I was a junior, mm-hmm. and his team waxed mine, but, by the way. Um, but So I, I knew of him then. And then when we would, during um, the wintertime, we would work out at one of the local colleges, and so Rooster and I would play catch together. And mm-hmm. we would get about 30 feet from each other, and we try to break each other's hand. We just throw it as hard as we could <laughs> right out of the get-go. <laughs> that's nice. So that's, that's our attitude. Let's see how hard we can throw it, see if we hurt the other guy. Hey, that's you know that's a great way to end a career. You know, actually, when you think about it, uh, clearly. Yeah, yeah, good hand-eye coordination. You know, it's, it, it works on your hand. You know, you know guy throws in a little, little turn on yeah. you know. Turn your glove. It's not an innocent game of pepper. You know, the thing about uh, – you played football, so what was your – you were a receiver? I was a wide receiver and a defensive back, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, and, and you – by the way, you went to uh, uh, USC and, you know, you won the, World, the College World Series area. But there was another guy who went to USC who was a pretty good wide receiver who also is named Lynn. Uh, Lynn. Yeah, Les Juan. He was my <laughs> teammate because, you know, I went there to play football. I, I, that was my scholarship. It wasn't for baseball. Oh, is that right? Yeah, so I played football with Swanee and Sam Cunningham and uh, that group of guys my first year. And um, so, yeah, um, and I was a footballer first and baseballer second. Yeah. Oh, I wow. Used, I, I never knew that. to get me to the big universities. You know, that's like when guys get – I mean, I know Dave Winfield got recruited in four different sports except – hockey, he didn't, he didn't recruit him in hockey, three sports, I guess. But when, you know, you think of Dick Raddatz, he got a basketball scholarship to go to Michigan State that he's throw 100 miles an hour in the big leagues, you know. Uh, it's like it, – it's to be a good athlete in two different sports at the same time – to the point where USC's giving you a football scholarship, you know, that's, did you ever regret not playing football? Yes. <laughs> the short answer would be yes. Um, after my first, in those days, uh, freshmen weren't allowed to play football, varsity football. So we had our own team, but we basically worked out with the varsity every day. And since I played uh, offense and defense, I was the, the scout team, whoever say we're playing Alabama. So we'd have our first string offense against Alabama's defense, which I'd be a part of. And then vice versa, I'd play offense, too, against our first team defense. Mm-hmm. So we'd do that, and then we'd have our own practice. So it was a long day for us. And I had a good uh, season um, my freshman year. In fact, the first time I, I touched the ball uh, was a kickoff against Cal. I went 80 yards for a touchdown. So it was a, a pretty nice start. But uh, in yeah. baseball, fresh, freshmen could play varsity. So – uh, I did. Um, we won the College World Series. I was on the all-tournament team, and then I played for the U.S. in the Pan Am Games. I led the tournament in home runs down in Cali, Columbia, and we lost to Cuba in the gold medal game 4-3, to three, and I'd, I'd hit a home run to put us ahead in that game. So I played 
you know, I saw a lot of really good players uh, in our country and in all of the Americas. And I said to, you know, I, I think I'm going to advance in this sport. And that's when I came back and I quit football. Toughest de- decision of my life. And what happened to your basketball? How come you didn't have yeah, a basketball well, career? I mean, it was, the next year they went, uh, SC was national champs in 72 and 74. So if I had stayed at school and played football, I would have won two national championships oh. in football and oh. four in baseball. Oh, <laughs> but, well, that doesn't happen. And not even Bo Jackson can talk like that, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, that's right. It, was, it would have been – well, back then, you, you, even then, it, you didn't get much fanfare. But uh, there's no way you sneak up on anybody uh, – when you have that kind of credibility. That's right. People have already kind of noticed you a little bit. Now, let me ask you this. When you came up to the Red Sox, was, did you, were you in a hurry to get up to the big club based on the fact that you had to spend a year in Bristol, Connecticut, and a year in Pawtucket? <laughs> I mean, is that, a, is that motivation <laughs> to get you the hell onto the big, the big club? Yeah, you know what? Uh, minor leagues, I, was, I, I signed uh, mid-July of 73. Um, so I, I got to the team. The season was half over, basically. And they were terrible in Bristol, and that's where we started. And I was there about a month and a half, and they Fun. called Jimmy Rice and I up to AAA <laughs> because the team was in the playoffs. And we helped them win the, they called it the Little World Series. We won it in 73. And then in Pawtucket played, uh, started on uh, AAA the next year, 74. And, God, it was brutal. I hated it. I just hated the minor leagues busing everywhere. We yeah. bust in AAA. We, had, we set some sort of record for uh, miles accrued busing. We, we were like four different cities and we busted like 17 hours each, each time. Ooh. And this is triple A. Oh man. I just, I was going crazy. Get yeah. me out of here. And yeah. finally they called me up. I said, thank you. <laughs> yeah. And you, when you're in triple A town, the girls on the road are double A. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just, it's not going to be fun. No question about it. So you come to the Red Sox, you have this big splash, this MVP rookie of the year thing. And, the disappointing ending, which we talked about, which I, I, I'm going to continue to blame on Vern, on Vern Rule, because, because That's right. Cincinnati had nothing but lefties coming at you, you know, with Gullet and all those guys. Uh, but moving along, you had, you really kind of had a huge secondary resurgence, even topping, I think, the numbers you had in your rookie year in 1975. In 1979, you had an unbelievable season. Yeah, 79 was an interesting year for me because after the 78 season, well, we lost that playoff game to the Yanks. Right. You know, I, I kind of discovered uh, I was watching Jimmy, you know, and he never seemed to get uh, tired in the second half because he's a big, strong guy, right? Mm-hmm. And I was just waste, I'd waste away to nothing. I'd lose 10 pounds easy during the course of the season, get down to like 170. And so after the 78 season, um, I discovered Nautilus, the. Uh, gym equipment, and I started lifting just kind of like a we, I would call an executive workout. No free weights, just machines. Yep. And then I did that during the winter, and I put on about 15 pounds of muscle. But you know, I didn't really think much of it until I got to spring training, and the guys were looking at me, say, "Geez, what happened to you?" And I got bigger, and so now I'm hitting balls that normally would be like fly ball outs. Now sure. they're home runs. And I said, "Whoa, who's that guy?" <laughs> um, so 39 was, home runs that year. Yeah, it was it was really different. And Jimmy um, had thirty nine too. For for somebody of my size, to, yeah, 
you know, to hit that many home runs uh, in, in, in an era where the balls <laughs> really traveled and the ballparks were big. Right. Um, yeah, that was, that was kind of significant for me. I think you got screwed out of a, an MVP that year as well. I mean, let me just run these stats by these other guys here because, you know, uh, I'm the stat guy, okay? Go ahead. 116 <laughs> runs, 42 doubles, 39 homers, led the league in batting average, OPS, slugging, on-base percentage, but somehow... Don Baylor, and I'm not knocking Don Baylor. He had a great season. And, and, but what's Ken Singleton doing ahead of you in the MVP votes that year? And, and you, you beat Brett out for the, uh, the batting title, and you had a better season than George Brett. How, what happened in the voting that year you didn't get that MVP? <laughs> well, you know, I was told that you know, their team won and ours didn't, and that was a, a, a huge factor in a lot of the voting. Um, and then, you know, a couple years later, Robin Yacht won, I think, his second MVP, and his, his team finished, like, fourth. Right. Went, wait a minute. <laughs> right. How about Ernie Banks? Hey, hey, <laughs> wait a minute. Well, I, you know, the thing that bothered me with the most, I, I, Donnie was my teammate when we went to, to Anaheim yep. in California. And I, I love the guy. Good guy. But he was a DH. You know, I, that's a whole different animal than being the center fielder. Hello, uh, and a gold glove type center fielder. Don Baylor didn't pick up a glove that year, right? No. Uh, and, but he, you know, he carried the club. There's no question about it. He drove in like 140 runs. Yeah. So he you know, had a tremendous offensive season. But that's just you know, one way. Um, so I just was like, okay. He looked at me, you know, <laughs> he could have laughed when we, we got together we're taking some pictures because we're all MVPs. And, and one of the, somebody else said, Donnie, are you an MVP? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's inexplicable to me. You know, the DH, with all due respect to the the guys that have done a great job, Big Poppy is another one who have you know carried the team to glory based on just swinging bat. But Harold Baines made the uh, made the Hall of Fame, and he didn't pick up a glove. And you know, you got all these gold gloves. I, I say the same thing when Dwight Evans was on with us. I said, Dwight, you got eight gold gloves. And people are not considering the 387 home runs you hit on a, on the proper level. He got ignored for Hall of Fame voting, which made me sick. Yeah, uh, it's it's really difficult to compare eras, and the game has changed so much yeah. since the time that uh, the three of us played. And um, and statistics are they're skewed a little differently, and there's so many more statistics than there ever was before. And I, I, to be honest, I don't even know what some of them mean. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right, all those no, the I, war I, and I, all that really stuff. I, I know what the box score, and then I see all these things. Of, What's that? What, what that means? Yeah, used to be um, so easy. You know, RBIs. You know, you look now. It's like what's what's war? What's defensive war? What's all what's all this war talk? By the way, Fred, we have a quick. Uh, a uh, 30-second commercial here. Uh, let, let's see if you recognize this one here. You ready? Hey, Freddie Lynn. Know what kind oh. of fragrance a woman really likes on a man? <laughs> Something manly and fresh. For his face. For his body. Something that lasts all day. Aquavelva's great musk. It lasts from dawn until dusk. Musk from Aquavelva. The extra-strength lotion with a fragrance that lasts all day. Aquavelva's great musk. It's so manly and fresh all day. There's something an aqua velva man. Oh, man. Hey, oh, God. was that your first time singing in a commercial? That was great. That was, you know what? Um, <laughs> I, I remember, you know, I grew up in Southern California, and we had music back then. You know, that was a class, and uh, I was terrible at it. I, I couldn't sing a lick, and like just the only class I ever got a C in. And so, what do I have to do for this commercial? I have to sing. 
And these two ladies, I mean, they were professionals. They, they were, were absolutely lovely, great. We lovely professionals. We filmed Dodger Stadium, and, and then it comes time for me to sing, and I'm singing with the girls. I said, okay, that's, I can do this. <laughs> and then they said, okay, do it by yourself. Oh, no. No. <laughs> oh, no. It was like, oh, my God. It was so embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. Someone's going to say yes to doing it by yourself when you're surrounded by two beautiful women. I, don't, I just don't think that works. You know, we have, <laughs> yeah. speaking of commercials, I got this uh, bet online, which is our number one source for your sports betting this season. By the way, it's not legal in Massachusetts, Fred. Uh, everything from pro and college <laughs> basketball, UFC, MMA, NHL, whatever you want to bet, you can bet it. Betonline.ag uh, is the location. You'll find the latest odds, all the Info with live betting options, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. Bet online is truly the fastest and the easiest way to bet your favorite leagues and sports. So go to their website. And here's a bonus they're offering you. It's called CLNS50. C- what is it, Ben? CLNS50. That's what I just said. Yes. B- CLNS50 gives you, if you put that in as your bonus, the what's it called? A uh, promo code? Yeah, you get 50% of your first deposit given to you for free. As It's like free money. Use CLNS50, get your rewards, betonline.ag, where the game starts. Now, Freddie, we're talking to Fred Lynn. We've got uh, Bill Smith, Ben Kitchen, yours truly, Mikey Adams, and the one and only Fred Lynn, mm-hmm. who I'm going to tell you, is one of the most beloved play, uh, players in the history of Red Sox baseball. Everybody always says, I go online, if I tweet Fred Lynn's birthday, February 3rd, Everybody goes, oh, he was my favorite player. Oh, God, I loved Fred Lynn. You know? Fred comes from that time when baseball was baseball. Yeah. yeah. And, but everybody, it's very rare to have a player that just everybody just loves the guy, Fred. Is that, do you get a lot of accolades and people wanting to shake your hand, take selfies with you? It's kind of fun um, post-career to hear uh, what people say about you. And I'm most proud of the fact that they, they still remember me for my defense. Because I always consider myself a defender before a hitter, and I just absolutely beam when people remember plays that I made. And sometimes they'll recall something that I have forgotten, and then they'll say, "Do you remember the play you made against so and so against here?" Yeah. And I think, "Wait a minute, um, yeah, I do remember that." And thanks for reminding me. But that makes me more proud than anything else is when people recognize the fact that, you know, I played all out. I certainly sacrificed my body. A little bit to make plays, and but that was the fun part. You know, well, what, one of the most fun catches or fun moments was in 1975. We're playing the Yankees in Shea, and it's the first game of a doubleheader. There's like 55,000 people. Is this the one nothing game? Yes. Oh. And that's a, a, a Billy's pitch in yeah. catfish, and uh, Nettles hits a ball in the bottom of the ninth, deep into the left center. Well, I'm playing him way to right center. And I, I don't know how long it ran, but it was a long way. And I dove and I caught it and did a somersault. Jimmy hurdles me and his knee misses my head by about an inch. Mm. If, if he doesn't have the ability to jump, I'm still laying there. But anyway, I make that catch. And 55,000 people went <gasps> silent. It was so cool. <laughs> it was, the, it was the, one of the highlights of my career, making 55,000 people be quiet. And my guess is Bill Lee bought all the beers that night. It's just a guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was pretty happy. I guess uh, he, talks, he still talks about him, it. But- he still yeah, talks about that catch. Trojan, so you know when he's on the mound, maybe I played better. I don't know. Yeah, he won a College World Series at USC as well. Uh, so now, the, you talked about the postseason, and and the Red Sox, you know, didn't beat the Reds, but you had a tremendous ALCS. 
you know, we you know we beat the defending champs. Yeah, uh, Oakland. The, the Oakland A's. You know, they were heavily favored. Who are these young upstarts? Um, but the the difference between playing the Reds and playing the A's was that we see them. You know, we you know Carl and a lot of the guys have seen the A's pitchers uh, before, and you know it's, it's my first time. But we've seen them earlier in the year, so it wasn't like that we didn't know them. Um, I, you know, I knew what the balls were going to do when the guys threw it. Uh, unlike Cincinnati, we'd never seen it before. So that was a huge difference. Yeah, they were really good, but so were we. And, you know, they, they caught us at a bad time. We were just playing great. And, God, Jesus, I think we hit like 350 as a team against them. Yeah, you swept um, them out big time. And Louis was great. I mean, it was a tremendous three-game series for the Red Sox fans' perspective. But, you know, you have a lifetime 407 postseason batting average. Which, uh, you know, it's just one point higher than Ted Williams' 406 in 1941. Uh, pretty, pretty, good, pretty good overall average for the, uh, the postseason activity. Now, i got to ask you this because a bad date in Red Sox history for Red Sox fans was January 23, 1981. Fred Lynn, as, as mentioned, one of the most beloved Red Sox players ever, and everybody's favorite player, gets traded uh, to the California Angels and there, you know, Joe Rudy was involved in the trade, but he was past way past his prime. And then, and Frank Tanana, who Bill Lee call, says, Bill Lee says Frank Tanana is the only guy who threw ninety in the seventies and seventy in the nineties. <laughs> you got traded for both those guys, and you're off to the Angels. And you broke, not you, because you it wasn't your choice. Broken hearted Red Sox fans, Fred. Yeah, that was that was a tough deal uh, all the way around. You know, there was a lot of things going on uh, at the time. Uh, with the Sox uh, front office, and uh, you just the handwriting was on the wall. They, they just wanted to unload us. You know, you know, Carlton Fisk was in that, and so was Rick Burleson. Right, so the three of us. It wasn't just me. Oh. You, you took our your shortstop and your catcher and your center fielder, and you you got rid of them. You it's gutted like, the team basically right up the middle. What? <laughs> I mean, who does that? That's the the bread and butter of your defense. And was that Haywood Sullivan? Two, three and five hitters in your lineup. It's like, whoa, who, well, who does that? Who pulled the trigger on that? Is it Haywood Sullivan? Who was it? Uh, he was a GM at the time. Um, I, I think he got his marching orders higher up from that. Yeah, yeah, but, right, uh, right. You know, that's just one of those things. I really didn't have any control over that. Well, in my and, memory, it's second. Know, I, I geez, I would have much preferred to be a, a Boston Red Sox my whole career. I mean, I love playing in Fedway. I love the fact that the fans were right there on top of you. And, you know, and I love the intensity of the crowd. I mean, if you went to Fenway Park and you weren't quite ready mentally, you better be because as soon as you stepped on that field, they expect you to do great things. Right. And if you didn't, they let you know, and that's okay. That's okay. They knew their, they knew their game. So, consequently, when, when I stepped on the field in Fenway, I was ready to go, ready to go. And it's just just a great delight. It was so much fun to play there. Well, what was fun too is to watch the pitchers try to deal with your ability to cover the plate, and they go if they go out the outside corner on you. You know, I mean, if you, obviously they come inside. You're going to pull the ball and hit it hard, but when they go outside corner, you had a way. It, it wasn't like slapping at the ball, but you'd reach out and just smack it off that wall like like a tennis volley. You know, it was it was <laughs> it was really fun to watch because. They couldn't dick around with you that way and say, oh, I'll go to the outside corner. They don't ground it third or short. No, you'd slap it off the wall, inevitably. Yeah, what happened, you know, when I first got there, you know, our, our dugout's on the first base side, and when well, I'm 21 when I get there, and I look out there and I see that wall, I say, whoa, that thing looks like it's close. And so I, I was a dead pole hitter. I never hit a ball to left field, like ever. It was a total mistake if I did. 
So <clears throat> wasn't too long into the season, I said, I got to figure out how to hit the ball over there. And what I started doing is I started pulling my hands inside and so that the barrel of the bat lags through the zone. And even though my hands are out front, the barrel of the bat's still in the hitting zone. It goes to left field with power. Right. That's the deal, with power. So I could take an inside pitch, and I had two options. I could, if they beat me a little bit, I could go the other way, or I could go out in front and hook it. Now the outside ball, uh, if it didn't have enough on it, I could hook that too, or I could go the other way. So... Yeah, it was really difficult to figure out uh, for a pitcher in Fenway because I had so many options available to me because I learned how to do that. And I, it used to drive me crazy with a shift thing where guys, I keep hearing it all the time. Well, how would you hit a 95-mile-an-hour fastball the other way? Well, I know how. You, you practice. <laughs> you do it in BP and make sure you get the fundamentals down, and then it will come naturally to you. It, it, it can work. Well, now they, they ban the shift, so... Not to worry about it, but, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a great ballpark for a left-handed hitter that could go the other way. Um, huge advantage if, if you could take advantage of it. You know, the gold glove part of your career is, is one because, uh, you know, center field is particularly difficult because it's, it's hard to discern where the ball's off, going off the bat. You, you were really good at taking a look at it, then turning around, like turning your back to the plate, running to the spot where the ball was going to, and being there and making it look really kind of easy. And it clearly isn't. I mean, we talk about guys like uh, Jackie Bradley Jr., Jimmy Pearsall, uh, Paul Blair, Willie Mays, you know, any, any of the great center fielders of all time. And it didn't always look easy. They got the job done, let's be clear. But somehow you were able to glide to the ball, Freddie. And I, I don't know what – was that the skill of being able to discern where it's headed before you even t took your first step? Well, yeah, taking the direct route to the ball, um, one, of a, one of the things you have to do is, is take a lot of balls off BP, you know, and, and see how the balls are flying, okay, yeah. and, and learn how the ball is going to travel – once, if a right-hander hits it, how it's going to spin, and left-hander hits it, those kinds of things. A couple things uh, as far as my footwork is concerned. Remember, I played defensive back in football, but I played basketball as well as a point guard. So I had all the footwork drills down from those, those two sports. Mm -hmm. In baseball, I didn't have to think about moving my feet. I just knew how to do it from doing those other sports. So I never got twisted. My hips are always in the right direction. And then there's an instinct you know, about where the ball is going to go. You know, some guys have it, some don't. But this, uh, probably the most important thing you can do is get the jump on the ball. Assume the ball is going to be hit to you on every pitch. Right. So that takes mental energy. It takes, I call defense the want to, because you have to want to do it, um, because it's not easy. And so when you anticipate like that, you always get a good jump on a ball. And so you're moving as the pitch is being thrown. Yeah. You know, and, and being so, just, as you said, the energy of being ready on every single pitch, even though 90, right. 95% yeah, of them aren't going. You know, it used to be that you know, center fielders, they were great defensive players. They didn't care if they hit because it's so much energy required to play the, the position. Um, and then you got guys like Mays and Mantle and, and all these great players, Ken Griffey Jr., um, all these guys that played center that can really hit. Oh, that's just an bonus. <laughs> that's a bonus. Imagine hitting is a bonus in baseball. I, I got to say the Jim Edmonds catch, and I saw him at a bar in Chicago one time. I told him this too. You know, you, Freddie, you made thousands of great catches in your career. I, the one greatest catch that I thought that 
impossible catch was the one he made running straight back towards center field. You remember that catch? Where he, I do, I do. Yeah. Uh, that's an unbelievable catch. Now, maybe that's the highlight of his career. Uh, he seemed to think so when I bought him a beer. But it, <laughs> the, the fact is, that was a pretty remarkable catch. I mean, talk about all out and making the diving wide receiver catch of the football in the end zone. It was beautiful. Uh, did you um, have any particular idol as a center fielder when you were growing up that you would like to be as good as or a mimic? Well, when I was a kid, I was a pitcher because I'm left-handed, right? Not control. Mm-hmm. In fact, I was and I, when I was in high school. A lot of teams were going to draft me as a pitcher, so I didn't really work on center field like I did when I got to college. But as a kid, um, my two guys that I, I loved were Mays and Clemente, um, probably because they 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 were five tool guys. They had no holes in their game. They could do everything really well. Oh yeah, and they looked like they were having fun. You know, they, they just looked like they just enjoyed the game. Clemente was so great, wasn't he? Yeah, they just made it look easy. And I said, well, geez, those guys. Are t-. And I got to see him in person a few times. Yeah. So it was really exciting for me uh, as a kid to see those guys play. And I said, geez, if I could do that, you know, just have no holes in the game, you don't have to be the best at any one particular thing, right. but do all things well. Right. And so that's kind of how I molded myself. I, I, I love Roberto Clemente. I mean, he was, he, you know what I love the most about him? They don't have him anymore. Triples. He had 166 triples. People don't, they don't leave the batter's box like they're in any kind of hurry. A lot of these guys, they admire their own work. They're watching, oh, look at that ball fly. Get running, man. And yeah. part of that was the fact that he played in, in the, the ballpark. He played in Pittsburgh, you know, Forbes Field. Huge. You couldn't hit home runs there, but he, he had 166 triples. He was g- lights out, uh, out of the box, and, it, and nobody had a better arm than Dwight Evans except Roberto Clemente, I think. Yeah, I mean, he was he was a total player. He had, he had, he could do everything, and he just you know, he he played like his hair was on fire, you know. He, he, but it was just fun to watch. Yeah, he was. And great. you know, when you hit a triple, you hit a triple because you're out of the box, like you're you're gonna hit a triple. You know, you're, <laughs> boom, you're you're full speed after three steps. You're yeah, not just you know, many around second. Many Ramirez triples between first. or home and first. That's where you hit them. Manny was talented as Manny Ramirez was. He had. He had 19 triples in his career. You know, with that power and that kind of batting average, he, he should have had 50 to 100. I think mean, Babe Ruth had 100. Um, let me ask you about the state of baseball now and a couple of current questions because we have a, we have a musical guest coming up for you that's going to sing a song about uh, a guy named Fred. And we, we have what we call Castigliocchi. Joe Castigliocchi uh, and, and Troop are going to sing a song. But first, let me ask you about the rule changes that baseball's made, Fred. Are you on board with the pitch clock? <laughs> well, I, I don't um, – believe me, I don't watch spring training baseball. But <laughs> I turned, turned one on the other day because I wanted to see how the players were going to react. It's a big, big deal for these guys. Yeah. Because when you watch hitters, I mean, they're, they're stepping out, they're doing this, they're doing that. They're, oh, my gosh. Oh. It's, 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 it's hard to watch. Well, now, guys aren't even leaving the box. I mean, that back foot is anchored in. Like Ted Williams. <laughs> it's almost ready to go before the pitcher thinks about throwing. Yeah. So um, what's going to happen is a couple things. First thing that's going to happen, the games definitely will be shorter. Secondly, guys won't strike out as much. Uh, the ball's coming, and they're ready to go. They're going to put the ball in play, and there's no shift on. Then you watch the strikeouts are going to go down. Home runs might go down a little bit, but there's going to be higher averages. Right. And the games are going to be shorter. Um, there's going to be more action, more contact, balls in play. Yeah, good. Balls I think. It... And now you, your second baseman and your shortstops 
Now we're going to see how good you are defensively. Um, you're going to have to move like and, back in the day. And pay attention. Uh, yeah, so it, it's, there's lots of exciting things I think are going to happen. More small ball, more things, lots of uh, hit and run, steals, all those kinds of things where people are moving. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, hitting a home run is, is great. But uh, striking out in the home runs, if that's your only deal, that's pretty boring. Yeah, you're but right. It, and it's, double, it's, triple, it's, single. It's become the three-point play, like from basketball, where, where it just t- has taken over the game, the home run thing. And I'm, I think it's good. Uh, what about the bigger bases? <laughs> that's kind of weird. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what to think about that. I mean, I, if Ricky Henderson was playing now, he'd probably steal 200. <laughs> <laughs> so it, and then the fact that you can only throw over the first twice. Uh, that's going to change man, things, yeah. That's that's hamstringing the pitcher, right? You know, if this guy can really run. Sure. Uh, that means what you're going to do, instead of throwing over there, you're going to hold it. Yeah, can you imagine the leads, Fred, that the fast guys are going to take now after the two throws have been made? Well, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, you can throw over there, but you've got to pick them off. Otherwise, it's a balk. Oh, my God. So, uh, so if, uh, if I'm a lefty, I'm just going to hold and stare at them, hold, 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 and then you've got to make sure you hang your leg up there so maybe you freeze them a little bit. But... Uh, and then now your catchers, man, there's going to be a, a big onus on those guys getting yeah. rid of the ball quickly because the guys are going to have better jumps. What's that? So it, it's, it's going to be speed up the game. Um, and if, if it takes rule changes to do it instead of just the way it used to be played. And I, I made a comment to my son just uh, today that the umpires used to be in control of the game pace. Yes. You know, if you were – Lollygagging as a hitter, he said, "Hey, get in there and hit. Otherwise, I'm going to tell him to pitch, and it's going to be a strike." Sure. Whoa. Okay. But <laughs> that somewhere along the line, they lost control of the pace of the game. I'm not quite sure when that was, but they have. Well, the players, so you now, know, says, "Okay, we're going to push a button here, and and we're going to speed it up." Yeah, the players and they worship the camera time too because it makes them more of a household name. But the other thing too is the commercial breaks have gotten longer in yep. baseball. But they, you know, the attention span of young people now. And I have a son who's thirteen, one who's who's se- uh, se- going to be seventeen this month, and they don't have the attention span to watch a three and a half hour baseball game. If it can be two hours or two and a half, then I, th- I think we can get it done. Uh, ben Kitchen has a question for you because he's a baseball coach. Yeah, free. well, I got a little uh, Fredlin trivia for Fredlin. Okay, uh, that's uh, good. He could probably answer this. Let's see, uh, Fred. Your rookie card is the nineteen seventy five Topps card. Uh, you can per- currently pick up a, a gem mint condition version of it for about five six thousand dollars. Not too bad. Wow! But there are four players, <laughs> four players total on the card. Three with you. So Fred Lynn, can you name the other three Aha! players? Good question. On your rookie card. Terry uh, Whitfield, Tommy Poquette. Poquette was actually a teammate. Uh, I think in '78 or '79, briefly. Whitfield was drafted by the Yankees. He was supposed to be a big thing. Didn't quite make it. Went to Japan. No. And then Ed Armbruster, oh, uh, the famous Ed Armbruster. That son of a bitch. I hate that game. guy. Freddie, I hate him. Series because of that call. I hate that so, bastard. Yeah, I can name those guys. <laughs> <laughs> that son of a Ed Armbruster. That was an interference with Carl Fisk. And that Larry Barnett was a stupid fool jerk umpire. Ruined my life back then. Oh, man. That was because I'm in center. I'm seeing the play unfold. I can see Pudge push him out of the way. Sure. Now I'm covering second because Pudge is throwing. Yeah. And now that knocks him, you know, knocks his, his momentum off, and he throws it to me, and it's a bang, bang play at third, and he's safe. Well, that run actually scored, and we lost that game by a run. Yes. So. 
geez, did that that play matter? Yeah. Was that Aaron Prince? Yeah. <laughs> and he's on your card. I, you know, if I had that card, I would have cut him out of that card. I would have just left. I would have left you in there and cut him right out of the corner. That, but oh man, well, Freddie, you're a great guest. You're a good guy. I'm so glad you got new knees and things are are good for you out in California. And um, I, I, I want to, well, if you don't mind, we'll leave you with this great Castiglioki tribute. Uh, uh, it's a song from when you were seven years old. <laughs> and it, I can't wait. And yeah, and it's and it, you listen and you hear them refer to Fred and just imagine that it's you. Uh, here we go with Castiglioki and Fred Lynn. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Okay, here we go. The music. Ready? Here we go. <coughs> Ready? Play it. Play it. Uh oh, where is it? There it is. <laughs> Joe and Jerry. I'm right here. Seven little girls sitting in the back seat, hugging and a kissing with Fred. I said, why don't one of you come up and sit beside me? And this is what the seven girls said. All together now, one, two, three. Keep your mind on your driving, keep your hands on the wheel. Keep your snoopy eyes on the road My turn. Yeah, I'm gonna do this one, Joe. Ready? Are you ready? Got hat, Joe. Drove through the town, Joe. Drove through the country. Showed him how a motor could go. I said, "How do you like my triple carburetor?" And one of them whispered down low. Shadoobie doobie. Shadoobie doobie doo doo.